Today is a big day. Pastor's Appreciation Day. We're also celebrating his 60th birthday coming up. Is that tomorrow? Wednesday. 60th birthday on Wednesday. Can we give him a hand clap for that? It's a big day. Didn't you enjoy those pictures of Pastor? I really love the ones where he had a mustache. Yeah, he needs to bring it back. I used to pick on him all the time. I was like, Pastor, why don't you grow a beard? And he said, hair don't grow on steel, son. So he got me on that. Um, it is my honor and privilege right now. I'm going to introduce our guest speaker. But, but before he comes up, I just want to tell you a little bit about him. Um, he was a pastor for several years at a very successful church in Ohio. And then he took a position in Montana in that area as the state overseer, very successful there. And then he came to Missouri for several years, was our state overseer in Missouri. And then he was promoted to South Carolina. South Carolina is, in terms of numbers of churches within a given state, South Carolina is one of the largest churches within our denomination. He had a lot of responsibility down there. Did a phenomenal job as the state overseer of South Carolina. And now he is working in the World Missions Department for the Church of God, doing a phenomenal job. And he is more than just a guest speaker. He is a, a great friend of this church. He and his wife, Kathy, they are great friends of our pastor and sister, Jenny. And would you give a round of applause for our guest speaker, Bishop Tom Gillum, and Sister Kathy is with him. Would you give him a hand clap as he comes to speak to us this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go in the house of the Lord. And I have already felt the presence of the Lord here today. You know, we're being very scriptural today because we're giving honor to who honor is due. And if there's ever been a couple and a family uh, and a congregation that deserves more honor than this, then I really don't know them. And so it is an honor to be here with you. And the Lord's presence is here. Pastor, I want to just say that uh, congratulations on 37 years. Not many people make it that long at one church. But you have, you have beat all those odds, and you've been faithful. Jenny's been there beside you. And what a testimony the two of you are to this community and to the kingdom of God. With your family, uh, boy, your family touched me today. You've got to be so proud. And, uh, and I just want to honor you and your family today. But let me just say happy birthday as well. Kathy's going to say a few words before I go any further. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, I want to reminisce just for a minute. When we first came um, to Missouri in 2006, we met Pastor Ken and Jenny, and Jenny served on my women's board at the time, and um, it was just a cordial introduction. And, um, but when we got to be friends, as we took a trip to San Francisco, my women's board, and um, I've got to put my glasses on so I stay on track. And um, we were at St. Louis Airport, and I was with about 12 women. And I'm very expressionable, and I don't hide my emotions very well. And I got very upset at a couple women that were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, trying to get everybody there, their luggage, and checked in. And Jenny lovingly, do you remember that? 
pulled me aside and said, now, Sister Kathy, you're showing your emotions, <laughs> and so you need to be really, really careful, very loving. But she showed me kindness, compassion, and displayed great wisdom and helped to propel me to be successful as a woman's leader here in the state of Missouri and then when we went on to other places. So as many of you know, she's a wonderful pastor's wife. Before church, she was out um, greeting people and loving on people and every, treated everybody the same and gave everybody pretty much the same amount of time. But as a pastor's wife, she sacrificed a lot in the years. The time that she gave up Pastor Kent when maybe he was at the hospital with your family or by her bedside of a dying loved one, and then sacrificed some of her own time when her family needed her or perhaps when her boys needed her. But it's amazing how God has helped her raise, with help from Pastor Kent, three amazing godly sons and their beautiful family. You've seen her be an advocate, a teacher, a friend, and a counselor going way beyond the role of a pastor's wife's duties. Jenny, I will always be grateful for your friendship. Answering God's call at the young age of 21, your 30-some years of ministry have continually repeated and demonstrated that God has called you for this ministry, not just Pastor Ken. He couldn't have done it without her, not at all. But you've walked beside him faithfully, and I honor you for that. And I'm grateful for your friendship and look forward to many, many more years to come. Just one quick uh, observation about Sister Jeannie is I notice she is also a passionate prayer person, that she really prays in such sincerity for people. I've seen her in these altars, and I've seen her cry, and I've seen her passion about praying. And she has done that behind the scenes. None of us will ever know the times that she has spent, not just here in the church, but probably more importantly at home where she was praying for her husband and an issue and a, a thing that they were going through, where she was praying for her boys. I, I doubt they've always been just as saintly as they appeared on this stage today, but they, they have probably, they have probably uh, been boys, and, and she was a mother. <laughs> By the way, she, Sister Jenny said yesterday evening, she said that, you know, Kent had been such a great, she said, I couldn't have done it without him. A great father to their their boys, and you heard that from them today. But I, I do want to say that that all of us that raise families know that there's nothing that takes the place of a mother's love and her commitment and her dedication to her family. And I, I believe you've had a pastor's wife that not only has been glad to be a pastor's wife and to accept that calling, but has been glad to uh, be a part of Pastor Kent's ministry and to raise her family. So I think it'd be very appropriate just to say thank you because indeed, as Kathy has said, without her, he would not have enjoyed the success he has enjoyed. Would you let her know that you love and appreciate her? We love you and honor you, First Lady of the House. God bless you. She may be small in statue, but I got a feeling she is a, 
a uh, pack of dynamite. So anyway, Pastor Ken, I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to try to keep this on track, of course, but you've always given me great liberty. Um, and so I'm, I, I just feel so compelled to do take just four or five minutes at the most and do something that I have done here before, but there's no greater, there would be no greater joy in this pastor's heart to see people come to know Christ. In fact, I, I read some of the stats, and, and you're somewhere close to 4,500, 5,000 people that you've either led to the Lord or that have rededicated their heart to the Lord. And so I know that's, at the end of the day, that's what this ministry is all about. It is about winning people to Christ. It's about seeing people's lives changed, and most importantly, getting to heaven because that's what you want to happen. And all of us have a story, and this kind of goes along with a theme that I really want to try to try to at least carry or communicate this morning to us. But, but we all have a story, and sometimes we think that it's maybe we, we ought not to share a lot about our story. But whenever you look in the Scripture, and I'll, I'll maybe make reference to this in just a few moments, but, but whenever you look into the Scripture, we find that God has always had His people to keep the story alive, to tell the story from generation to generation. And, and so, so there's something about all of our stories that is important, and so we need to share it. This church has a great story. You have a great history. Now, we can't go back and we can't recapture and we can't relive the story of 20, 30 years ago, but we can remember some of those miracles and some of those things that took place. And we should remember those things because that was a time when God was doing something in our lives that brought us to where we are even to this day. And so it's nothing wrong with remembering your story. Now, most of you can tell, even though I pastored in Ohio, that's not where I grew up, just by the way I talked. Is that right? You can tell. And some of you know that I grew up in Alabama, uh, even though much of my life was spent in Ohio and up in the northern parts of the country, I grew up in rural Alabama. Some of the similarities that Pastor Ken and I have is that we come from small communities, that we grew up in church, that we had we had the uh, we had the teachings of our mother and 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 others that that taught us. We may have not always uh, walked the path, but it wasn't because that we didn't have somebody that cared for us and tried to teach us and prayed for us and covered us in prayer. And some of us would probably not be here today had it not been for those godly moms and dads and aunts and uncles and others that loved us and prayed for us. And so I grew up in this small community in central Alabama, but I grew up Methodist. I didn't grow up Pentecost. I wished I had, but I'm, I'm glad for my heritage. And I grew up in a little small Methodist church, and Mom made sure that I went to church every single Sunday. I'm the youngest of four children. And Dad, my dad was an alcoholic. In fact, I call him a functioning alcoholic means that he he drinked every day. I mean, alcohol had a grip on him, but he was able to keep a job and he was able to work and 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 I appreciate that about him. But this except to say that that I did not have the godly influence of a father, but my influence was from my mother. But something happened tragically when I was 14 years old, my mother died suddenly. 
she had a portal vein blockage, and back then they didn't know really how to treat that so quickly, and a lot of people died of that. You could die rather quickly. Mom, I think, was only sick for a week or two, and she passed, and it was on Christmas Eve, and it was a terrible time in our family. We had gifts under the tree for my mother, and and uh, and and we just didn't know what to do. She was a school teacher, and there were gifts from her students that were there. But anyway, it was just a sad time. I'm 14 years old, and and it's a very difficult time. But we we buried mom, and the saddest day of my life to this day is the day I turned and walked off of that hill at the cemetery, and I left my mother to be buried in the ground there. And so what happened was I went the same direction that my dad had gone. I mean, that was the pattern. I'd grown up in church, but I'm following the direction of my dad. And so I start drinking. I know where all the bootleggers are because we're a dry county, but I know where they're at. And I go and I buy beer and my friends would have me to go and and take them so they could buy beer and those kind of things. And so, uh, so I started drinking. By the time I'm 20 years old, I barely made it out of high school. I, I now am... I'm drinking 10 to 12 cans of beer a day. For you older saints uh, that know what I'm talking about, I also drank something that was known as Boone's Farm wine. And that was popular during that era. And so, so you know, that was, that was, I was, I was addicted already to that. I, I worked a job for my cousin at a car lot. I was a cleanup boy, you know, I cleaned the cars, detailed them, did all those things. But anyway, I was 20 years old. I've, I've had a run-in at 18 and with my dad. I've moved out on my own. I live in a mobile home, and I get up and go to church at that little country church. I'd been there a few occasions after Mom's death. But I go back, and I'm sitting on the back row at that service, and there had been a death in the church's, uh, the pastor's family. And so, so there, was a, there was a guest speaker that came in, and looked at me and said, I didn't expect to see you here. And I said, well, I didn't expect to see you either. I knew him because I was in the National Guards with him. I knew him because at one time he had dated my sister. Actually, when my mother died, he was dating my sister. And he had gotten saved about a year earlier and called to preach, and he's now showed up to preach. But here's what he said that would forever change the direction and course of my life. He said, I grew up, uh, or or excuse me, he said, I came to the dedication of this church with someone I dearly loved, and there'll always be a special place for her in my heart. And I thought, surely he's not going to name my sister. She's married to somebody else. And uh, and, uh, my sister was married to somebody else, and he didn't. He named my mother. And when he named my mother, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and the Holy Spirit said, you're not living the kind of life that your mother brought you up to live. And I wanted to go to the altar, but you didn't see that happen there in that church ever. And so, so I just stayed there, and after service, I went to him, and I said, I need to talk to you. I, I didn't know what I needed. All I knew is I needed to quit drinking. That was kind of my thought. That would be the beginning. Stop drinking, you know. It's got a hold on you. And so, so I wanted to talk to him, but he said, I've got to run over to the other church and preach, and so can you come by my house tonight? I go by his house that night, and I go in and sit on their sofa, and he raises up a little New Testament Bible, and he says, if you don't want this, tell me. And I said, no, I guess that's why I'm here. 
And I sat down and he began to talk to me about a, a, a witnessing tool called the four, uh, uh, well, I forget the name of it, but it's put out by Campus Crusade, Four Spiritual Laws. And law number one is that God loves you and has a plan for your life, John 3, 16. For all, uh, you know, for God so loved the world. And then he said, the problem is, is that man is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of sin, man is separated from God. But Jesus came, and, and for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus came to bridge the gap between sinful man and holy God, and now you can have right relationship with God. And the law number four was you must receive Christ yourself. Nobody can do it for you. And he asked me, do you want to receive the Lord? And I said, no, not right now. Well, he said, can my wife and I pray for you? And I said, sure. And they got on their knees and they prayed for me and they prayed out loud. And I don't know exactly what they said, but I must have affirmed something that was said because afterwards he asked me again, did you receive the Lord? And it seemed like an eternity passed and finally I answered and I said, yes. Well, he was happy about it, gave me that little New Testament, told me I need to get in church, pray all those things. I left, he asked his wife, do you think he got anything? She said, I don't think he did. Well, what they didn't realize, about a mile up the road, in my car from their home, for the first time in my life, I thought if I die, I'll go to heaven. I'd never had that thought. I'd never had that assurance. And right on the heels of that thought, I thought if I die, I'll see my precious mother. And I went home that night, and being a country boy, I had made five gallons of homebrew. And I still had some homebrew left, and I took it and two cans of beer, and I poured it down the kitchen sink, and I never touched another alcohol from that day to this day. I have felt led to share this today for some reason. I want you to bow your head. You may be here in this room. You may have struggled. You may have had problems with addictions. And maybe you've not overcome like I did. And some of you may have served the Lord, but you've struggled. You've been up and down and in and out, and you've just it's just been a real challenge to be able to, to do what you know you want to do and need to do. And the Holy Spirit's here to help us. I'm not here by accident this morning. If for no other reason, I'm here for this. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ or you need to give your heart to the Lord for the first time, the Lord is here to help you and to receive you. You may be like me. You may say, you know, I don't have that assurance that if I were to die that I'd go to heaven, but I want to be able to leave with that assurance today. And so I want to rededicate my life. I want to just put things back on track. I, I, I want to 
I want to know that if I die that I'll go to heaven. With our heads still bowed and our eyes still closed, if you're here this morning and you would be bold enough to just simply raise your hand and just say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you or I'm rededicating my life to you right now. Just raise it and let it back down. I see that one. Keep on. Yes. Others, raise your hand. Yes. 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 <laughs> At least a half a dozen, maybe eight already. Is there anybody else before I pray for you? You want to know that if you die, you'll go to heaven. You want to rededicate your life. Yes, my brother. Yes. Anybody? Yes. Yes. Anyone else before we pray? Yes. God bless you. Yes. My goodness, the Holy Spirit's at work, Pastor. This is why you started this journey to begin with. So people would come to know Christ. There must be a dozen in the room that you're good people. You love the Lord. Some of you that raised your hand, you love the Lord. But you've just allowed things to distract you or whatever reason. But you want to dedicate or rededicate your life to Christ today. So congregation all over the building, I want you to pray. The Bible, the Bible teaches us to pray. And I want us to pray right now, Father. In the name of Jesus, we feel your sweet spirit. We feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit. We feel the mercy and the grace of God that's being extended in this sanctuary today. And Lord, none of us ever expected that this would be the outcome. And on a pastor appreciation day that God, you would be doing such a marvelous work of bringing people home and, and giving them the assurance of their salvation and of their place in eternity. But God, I'm praying this very moment that you're wrapping your arms of love around these that have been so bold to raise their hand and say, here I am, God, help me, take me, Lord, I surrender it all to you and I'm praying God that you're going to give them the strength and the grace that they will need if they are bound by things in life or addictions or whatever I pray that they be turned loose today if they've tried in times past but Lord it keeps coming I pray that you break that hold and break that bondage right now and in the name of Jesus you loose them by the power of the Holy Spirit it will never be the same again for them but they will go rejoicing in you Lord they'll go with a joy in their heart and thanksgiving and knowing that God that if they were to die this day that they would be in heaven with those that have gone on they would see their loved ones that have gone on they would be in heaven for all eternity and for that we are grateful and we give thanksgiving this day and we know that the Bible tells us that the angels even this moment are rejoicing in glory because of someone that has repented and give their heart to you. And so if the angels are rejoicing, the church, the palace of praise, we're going to rejoice with them over the work of the Holy Ghost in the house this morning. Come on, church, somebody give God praise in the house. Somebody worship him. Somebody give God glory in the house today. The Holy Spirit's at work in the house. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give praise to you. We give praise to you. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> That's okay, worship him, church, just worship him. Oh, Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 You may be seated. Now, I'm going to admonish you the way that I was admonished the night that I rededicated, actually gave my life to Christ that night. And that is to stay in church, read your Bible, read it, study it, read it. You may have trouble to begin with, but read it. Pray every day, even if it's two-minute prayers, say prayers several times a day, pray. Get into a routine of prayer, pray every day. And then stay in church. And if the enemy trips you up for any reason, you get out on your knees and you repent immediately. And you keep going forward. Do not give the devil credit. You stay in the house of God. And let this pastor and this congregation and its leadership pour into you and disciple you and make you strong. That you too will become a discipler one day of those who give their heart to the Lord. I, I want to share real briefly this. Pastor gave me a check this morning from your world missions giving over the last several weeks or months. I don't know just how long, but to Israel. I don't know if you know, but the Bible teaches very clearly and emphatically about praying for Israel, supporting Israel. Kathy and I have given to Minister of Israel for well, since the 80s, we've given every year. And she would oftentimes say, Tommy, that's the reason we're blessed, because we bless Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible says. And so pastor says, you make sure that goes to Israel. And so we're going to do that, and we, and we thank you, because I now work for World Missions. And I just want to tell you a real quick little, little synopsis. 
1886, the Church of God started in the hills of North Carolina and Tennessee and North Georgia. About six or eight people, they were Baptists in background, I think, but they were, they were dissatisfied with the way the church was, and they started a prayer meeting, never intending to start anything else. But out of that started a holiness movement, and the church began to grow. And so two churches by name, that was one church, but they changed their name. It was the Holiness Creek Church at Camp Creek and also the Christian Union. And by, by 1896, something miraculous happened. The Holy Spirit fell, and they didn't know what it was, but they searched the Scripture and found out this was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what promised in the book of Acts. This was what promised by the prophet Joel that God in the last days would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And so the Holy Spirit did a great work among that group and persecution fell. And by, in the first 10 years, they had grown to about 150 people. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that congregation went down to about 20 people. A lot of people don't know that. Almost died out. This is I'm talking about what you're part of today, the church of God. And so what happened was that there was a, a traveling salesman, Bible salesman by the name of A.J. Tomlinson, and he was from Indiana, and he came by, and what he did is he connected with that group, and he had organizational skills. And so he decided that the church had to get out of the mountains if they ever wanted to really be able to expand or do anything of significance, and they moved from the mountains of Cleveland, Tennessee. 1906 was our first General Assembly, and it's, it was for the purpose of setting guidelines and doctrine and our bylaws that would govern this, this great movement that we have now today. And they met in a little old bitty house. The house is still standing. You can go tour it someday. In fact, it's called Fields of the Woods there. The Ten Commandments are written in five-foot concrete letters on the side of a mountain. It would be a great place to go visit if you ever go to that area of the world. And so, so, so that, that was all good, but let me just, I'm trying to stay fast here, but by the end of 1909, December the 31st, we sent our first missionary out named R.M. Evans. His wife's name was Ada, and they were retired Methodist ministers in Florida. And they got on a boat, and they went from Florida to the Bahamas, and that was our first effort in world missions. And for the next year, now this is important to hear because this is, this is how God works. For the next year, we, we, we grew. At the end of 1909, we had 31 congregations in the church of God. We had 1,005 members in the church of God. In the next year, by the end of 1910, we've sent out our first missionary and now the church has grown 85% in one year. God began to expand it. We, we were obeying a principle there. And so we began to broaden the harvest field. Now let's fast forward, and I'm going to bring this part to a conclusion. But fast forward to today, and we recently are just almost getting ready with the group we're taking in. We have now gone from 1,005 members to eight and a half million members worldwide. Amen. We have gone from 31 congregations to now we have right at 45,000 congregations in the world today. 
We have gone from one country, the United States, to two countries, the Bahamas, and now we are in 187 countries in the world. There's 195 countries. We have churches that are underground. They're in communist countries, Arab countries. They meet in secret. They, we, we recently, a couple of years ago, we lost a pastor that was beheaded because of his faith. We had another one that was beaten to death. We've had all sorts of things. This is a very large movement that you're part of today. And it all started with just a handful that wanted to pray. And that will lead me to what I want to say. And I want to thank you for all you do for World Missions, Pastor, you and your congregation. And y'all support many other projects, but that was just the one that we are received the offering for today. But I want to say that, that we need to understand something very vital here that there's a reason that, that I tell that story and there's a reason that I told my story is because this congregation has a story as well. I don't know if you really understand it and realize it. I mean, people come and people go. That's the nature of things. But the truth of the matter is that this congregation has had such a major impact on the Poplar Bluff, Butler County area and far beyond, and then you go into the state and you go beyond and into the nation and even, even into world missions. We saw a couple of pictures that, that, with that. But you've gone, you've gone, it's just unbelievable, into, from, from just a small, small group that was meeting over on 9th and Cedar Street. In fact, I, I've got a few just stats just in case you don't remember. Maybe you were, you're, you're fairly or relatively new to the church. But here, here's the interesting story because I said you have a story. Poplar Bluff, Palace of Praise has a story. And that is that, that I don't know how long the church had been in existence, but I do know that Pastor Ken and Jenny, 37 years ago, they took the church when there was just a handful of folks. If I remember, it was less than 13 members, not that many that attended, probably maybe six or eight people. It was all that was left. In fact, the state overseer of that time said, "If you know, we've got a local boy down there in Dudley, he and his wife, and they're just teenagers basically, young and green and probably don't know a lot, but they have a lot of energy and a lot of passion for God. And we got this church that's about to close in Poplar Bluff. We're going to give it one last shot. And so they call and they, they get this couple to come over here and take the, the little old six or eight or ten people that's left over here and, 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 and see if they can save the church, so to speak. I know I've been an overseer. That's what you do sometimes. You're just hoping for the best, you know. And so they gave this couple that opportunity. It was to, to many, they would have frowned upon it. A lot of young people today would think, what are, you know, are you crazy to offer me something like that to start with? I'm telling you, it's, it's not about how many you have when you start. It's how you do after you get there that makes the difference. And so we see that, that Kent and Jenny came there. If I read my stats right, I think, Ben, you were about eight months old whenever they took the church. You were just a little bitty fella. I can just, in my mind's eye, I can see this little young couple, and I even have a better image of them now after looking at the videos, but, but, but seeing them come in with a little eight-month-old baby to a handful of folks that probably 
thinking, what are they going to offer? What are they going to do? How, how are they going to make a difference here? And, 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 and they really didn't know a lot. I don't know how many sermons Pastor Kent had at the time. He may have had two or three red hots that he could preach, but you know what? He was going to have to learn how to develop those messages like his boys talked about. That he no sooner gets through on Sunday night that he's already thinking and processing about the next week and where God's going to take it. And I don't know how he does it, but for me, it is a, it is a process long in my mind before it ever reaches uh, any notes or to the pulpit. I'm already, I'm, I'm fleshing it out, so to speak, and I'm working on it. And so Pastor had done that, and he was learning. This was a training field for him as well. In fact, the church owed money, so he's not going to get no salary. He's got to pay himself to pastor, pay himself to preach. And so he comes there, and he and Jenny, and they, they are paying their tithes. That's probably more than what's coming in. I don't know, but in the church. But, but they're catching the bills up, and they're doing whatever they know to do. And so, so the, the, the overseer in August of 1986, his name was Wendell Smith, he appoints this young family to, to Poplar Bluff to pastor a church that is fairly in existence, its own life support. And so they, Kate, we, we drove by there last night and, and showed me where the original building and how they had built on, and many of you probably know it's a funeral home. If, if you haven't been by it lately, go by there and just reminisce a little bit and see, because that's where it really, for this couple, that's where it all began, right there. And, and they, the church began to grow, and they went to multiple services. And, and then, you know, they were uh, going to buy land. As, and you know the story. I'm just kind of refreshing some of your memory and reminding you that God has been faithful to you and that God is the one that's brought you. Yes, he used a couple, and he used a family, and he used a lot of other leaders and people along the journey, but at the end of the day, this is God's church, and he loves his church, and he is, he is through the faithfulness and obedience of people, he has blessed his church and brought us to where we're at today. But here we see that that things begin to happen, and the land was bought, I believe, if I recall, there's about 10 acres here, and, and you bought the land and, and, and got it cleared and, and pastor was looking for a name and what to build and all those sorts of things. He's praying. He is a very visionary individual, by the way. He's not just a dreamer. You know, a dreamer is a person that dreams how, what things are going to be and what it can be, but a lot of times they never do anything. But a visionary is a person who not only has the vision, it's one thing to have it, but it's another thing to live it out to work it through, to, to make sure it happens. And so you have that kind of pastor, and he was having a vision for, for the church growing and expanding. He knew in his heart that God wanted to do something greater than what he had already done here in Poplar Bluff with the church of God. And so what happened was one day he goes home, and he's been praying. He's trying to figure out what to do. And y'all didn't know this about Jenny, but she is a prophetess. She really is. That's what my wife said. Because what happened is Pastor Ken, in some of his anguish to try to understand what to do, he, he said, I just, I don't know what to do. And Jenny just said, why don't you go build a palace? Well, I don't know if that story's true or not. But here we are sitting in the palace today. It happened, didn't it? And here we are, and I'm telling you, this is like a, 
I don't know of any more beautiful church than the church right here, the Palace of Praise. And it's amen, amen, that's the truth. God's been faithful to you. And so, you know, all of that can, and, and I could say, but, and, and so I'm going to wind this down. I could say so much, and I got more, a lot more. But, but Deuteronomy chapter 32 says this. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you your elders, and they will tell you. And, and even though some people would want to bury the past and they don't want us to remember, or there is always that danger of wanting to go back and live in the past. Yes, congregations do that. And sometimes they become stagnant and they lose their, their vision and their, their momentum to grow. So you can't do that, but you need to remember where you've come from. In fact, the nation of Israel, I mean, we could go throughout the scripture and see where that things were oftentimes remembered. The Passover is celebrated to this day in a remembrance of God's deliver, deliverance of the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. They, the Jews still celebrate Pur Purim, and that's simply a, a celebration of remembrance of when that uh, we find that in Persia they were wanting to to uh, destroy the Jewish people and and Esther and Mordecai, her uncle, they 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 through God's help they were able to save the entire race of the Jewish people throughout the empire, and so so we see that that was a that there's. God wanted them to remember that. Remember that I have blessed you. Remember that I delivered you. Remember that I protected you. We even go back and look at the, the, the story of the flood and Noah and, and we see the rainbow regardless of what people are telling you today. The rainbow is a symbol of God's promise and of his covenant that he would never destroy the earth again by water. And we see that that's, that's a, that, that is a part of who we are, and God wants us to remember those things. We, we celebrate foot washing, and we celebrate communion, and we celebrate water baptism, and those all are ordinances that we remember because Jesus taught us that we ought to remember those things. And so there's nothing wrong with remembering and we ought to go back and we ought to tell our story. And one of the big mistakes that most Christians make is this. They think that once they get saved, they just got to go to church, maybe pay their tithes, maybe do some of those things, but that is not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to go to church. We are supposed to pay our tithes. We are supposed to grow. We are supposed to be a disciple. We're to do all those things, but the Bible tells me that Jesus told the disciples, the early disciples, that they were to go to Jerusalem and they were to wait there or tarry there until they be endued with power to do what? To become witnesses throughout the earth of the grace and mercy of God to tell the story about the cross of Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that men and women and boys and girls could live eternity in heaven. And so we are told that that's what we are supposed to do. And so what happened was they went to the upper room, they prayed. The, the Bible declares in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit rushed in. It set upon each of them. They spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But they got that experience so that they would be uh, witnesses for Christ. So the point is this. 
God saved you to be a witness. Doesn't mean you're called to be an evangelist, but you're to be a witness. And if I can do nothing more for you today as you go forward as a congregation, and you really want to help this pastor and the team here in place, the greatest thing you can do is to live for Christ. Of course, you pray all those other things, but you tell your story. Did you see the power of a story today? All I did, simple, basic. I told my story. People connected, and they responded. I'm going to challenge you. As you go forward in your life, will you tell the story of Christ? Tell about when you got saved. Somebody wants to hear your story. And then tell about the story of your church because you have a wonderful, rich history here. And your best days are not over. I was talking to a brother when I was coming in today and I talked about the clock and all that we see and everything in his time. And we talked about the fact that Jesus is coming soon. And I looked up and I read this, but about the day or hour no man knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will happen or will come. And so as we go forward on this Pastor Appreciation Day, the greatest way you can appreciate, and tell the pastor, we are human, they're human, he and Jenny are human, Tell them you love them, just like you've done. Let them know your appreciation, but the greatest gift you can give them is your devotion to Christ. That's what will make them the happiest. Would you stand with me? Father, I came to the dedication of this church on August the 20th, 2006, with Raymond Culpepper preaching a sermon about what a great church is and what it is not. And I know that just looking back through some notes, Lord, that he reminded us that a great church is an evangelistic church. A great church is an anointed church. And a great church is a tenacious church. So Palace of Praise today, God, I pray that you will, you will never let them lose their compassion for the lost. The, the tenacity and the passion to see the kingdom expand and to grow and to see this local congregation grow. Dear Lord, the world is a better place because Kent and Jenny Miller were born. The world is a better place because when they were just young lads, they dedicated their heart to you and accepted the call. And today, many of us we enjoy the fruits of their labor. And there's been many that's been a part of the core group that has come the whole journey with them. 
or at least shortly after they started. And dear Lord, they have watched the hand of God as day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year for 37 years, the faithfulness has been displayed. There's been setbacks, but thank God there's been more victories than setbacks. And I'm praying that as the church goes forward, that Lord, you are going to move forward with it. That God, the greatest days of this congregation are not the last 37 years or prior, but the greatest days of this congregation are the days from today going forward to the coming of Christ. I pray that you give Pastor Kent fresh anointing, renewed energy. I pray blessings upon he and Sister Jenny, upon their family. What a testimony they have just by the mere fact that they've raised three boys and their families were all here today expressing their love and devotion. They've seen this couple's lives and they know what they represent. And those that have been on the inside in this congregation have also seen them. They have seen their tears, they have heard their cries, but they've also shared in their rejoicing over the victories. And God, your hand and your anointing is still upon us. Never let Palace of Praise lose its evangelistic fervor. Never allow it to lose its anointing that you have placed upon it for the day at hand. And dear Lord, let it always be strategic and tenacious in its effort to win one more person to you. We ask in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to, many of us go in just a few moments, and we're going out, and we're going to fellowship and eat and break bread together. But this is such a holy moment. I don't want to let it pass. Even if it's for five minutes, that's three to five minutes, quickly. If you'll act quickly, we, we'll be done. I want you to come, and I want you to find your place to stand or kneel or wherever around the front. That's the way we're going to close out today. And I want you to pray for this church. See, we're, we're, we're honoring a, a family. We're honoring a couple. We're honoring a man. But this is a lot more about honoring you and doing your work. So come on. You may have never come forward in this church before. Just come and stand with all of us. That makes it easy. Stand with us or pray with us right now. Just come. Let's come on in close if you would.